real quick announcement uh, concerning the pressure washer, okay? Please do not use that without permission from myself, Brother Mark, or Brother Thomas Pretto, okay? Okay, amen. That's all I'll say. God is good. Not that the majority, most of you wouldn't do that. Amen. But anyway, uh, the uh, young people have permission to use that as well. We've talked to them about that, but amen. So just a quick announcement, let me get that out of the way. Today, tonight, we're going to touch on angels in daily life. Angels in daily life. Okay? 2 Kings chapter 6, in the word of the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 6, you remember how Elisha was surrounded in order to take him captive. And he had a servant with him at the time. And uh, he was not afraid. The prophet was not afraid. And he asked God to open the eyes of his servants. So if you'll look in 2 Kings 6 and verse 16. You have it? Say praise the Lord. Lord. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the preaching of your holy word. We give you all the glory and all the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. How many of y'all believe tonight that they that be with us are more than they that be with them? God has a heavenly host, an army. And as long as we stay in the will of the Lord, that heavenly host is going to be used, amen, to minister to the saints of God, and to give us victory in life. Go over to second or to Zechariah chapter three, please. While you're turning there, it is important for us to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Sometimes we look at all of our battles and we only equate them to the physical. But there is a great spiritual battle that is being launched against the kingdom of God in this hour, against the church of the living God. What I'm going to preach to you tonight is coming directly from the Lord Himself. Okay? As far as the direction is concerned. And uh, we need to understand in this hour that we live that we are fighting a intense spiritual battle. There is a battle that has been launched against the church of the living God like has never been before, I believe, in the history. Now, you might say, well, what about the early church when they tried to destroy it? Yes, but it's different now. 
because it's more of a psychological warfare. There is a, a warfare to try to cause people to apostatize away from the faith of the living God. So we're not just fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And it is intense. In Zechariah chapter 3, we have a little bit of an idea about how the enemy tries to resist the work of God. So if you'll turn there, and I'll read a few verses to you. Uh, Sunday morning we got, when we preached, there was such a liberty to preach Sunday morning. Uh, we preached on the life of David and how that God was going to give him a descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was just an amazing move of God Sunday morning. And then I came up here Sunday night and there was a warfare that was going on. And obviously I believe it was connected to what I was going to preach that night. And I'll get into more of that in just a minute. Uh, tremendous warfare that was going on. So I was in prayer and I asked God, I said, God, why Sunday morning was there such a liberty to preach and then Sunday night such a uh, a resistance what was going on and the Lord gave me this scripture right here in Zechariah chapter 3 showing us how that at times the enemy will come against the church of the living God and, and begin to resist now listen brothers and sisters when I say this I'm not just using metaphor I'm speaking literally okay that at times the enemy will literally come or send one of his fallen demons to come and resist the church, resist the work of the living God. And Sunday night, I believe the Lord told me that the enemy came and he tried to resist the work of God uh, that night. And so in Zechariah chapter 3, in verse 1, the Bible says, He showed me Joshua the high priest, Zechariah speaking here, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So even though God is... Now, you, I want you to catch this because the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. I thank God. Even though God is in a church, even though God is in the place, the Bible says the angel of the Lord was there. That is a, a term that means God was there in a visible form. The angel of the Lord. Uh, so God was there. When God is there, that doesn't mean that the enemy can also come in the midst of a church service and try to hinder or try to resist what is going to take place in that service. You understand that? So it's not like, well, if the enemy shows up and the enemy tries to resist us, then God must not be in the house. And it's just the opposite. Because God is in the house, then the enemy tries to come and tries to resist the work of the living God. So we see, the Bible says the angel of the Lord is there. We have Joshua who is a man, who is the high priest there. He's standing there. And Zechariah sees this vision. The angel of the Lord, God is there. But he also sees Satan is at his right hand and he is resisting Joshua. Okay, so look at it. The Bible says that Satan was standing at his right hand to resist him. Now, 
When I was on the mission field, when I went to um, Taiwan and I preached over there, the Lord revealed to me that one of the services that we were having, that the enemy, Satan, was trying to resist the work of God in relationship to Brother Edmonds. Not in relationship to me, but in the relationship with Brother Edmonds, the missionary of Taiwan. And so as I stood there and got ready to preach, I asked the church to begin to pray against that spirit that was coming against Brother Edmonds to resist him, to fight him. And we entered into prayer against that spirit that was seeking to hinder the work of God in God's man. So I know that this is a very, very real experience, a very real event that can take place. And we have Bible for it where we see Joshua is resisted by Satan, but the Lord is there. Now verse 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. So evidently because of the unclean garments that Joshua was wearing, Satan felt like that he had a right to resist or to, to hinder uh, this man. And so the Scripture tells us that uh, Satan is rebuked here. And verse 4, He answered and spake unto those that stood by him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. I will clothe thee with changed raiment. So Joshua needed to be cleansed. He needed to be purified. So the Bible says those filthy garments are taken off of him, and then these clean garments are placed on him, which shows us that God has cleansed him of the of the uncleanness, okay? The Bible then says in verse 5, And I said, Let them set a fair miter upon his head. So they set a fair miter upon his head and clothed uh, him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord. So now God gives Joshua instruction. He's purified him. He's cleansed him. And he says, If thou wilt walk in my ways... Thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee. For they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. So what we see is what was happening with Joshua. Joshua the high priest represented the people of God. And the, clean, the, the garments that he had that were dirty represented the uncleanness that was among the nation. And so Satan is standing there and he's trying to resist Joshua, but he's all, in a sense, he's resisting the people of God because there's something not right among them. The uncleanness among them. And so what God does is this. He says, I'm going to remove the uncleanness from Joshua, which is a picture of God removing the uncleanness from His church. Okay? If that's the case then, we can believe that God... And every one of us 
What we have to understand, when we walk in this world, it's like your shoes. You're going to pick up some dirt. Okay? So Sunday we come in here, we have church, we're right with God, we feel great. We walk out of here, Monday, Tuesday, here comes Wednesday. In those days, we pick up dirt. Amen? That means some words, some thoughts, something we do that causes some kind of uncleanness to attach itself to us. Now, what do we do with that? Well, we don't need to get rebaptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've already done that. But the Bible talks about Peter having his feet washed. And remember, he didn't wash his whole head and his whole body. He only washed his feet. Peter said, well, wash all of me. And Jesus said, I don't need to wash all of you. Only part. And that's the feet. The point being is this, is that if you've been water in Jesus' name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, He's already cleansed you of your sin. But as you walk in this world, you're going to pick up some dirt, spiritually speaking, on your feet. There is going to be some uncleanness that's going to attach to your life. Whether what you see, what you hear, what you do, it's going to get a hold of you. And so what we have to do is we have to come and once again hear the Word of God and let the Word of God cleanse us. I don't need to rebaptize you in water in Jesus' name. But when we come to the house of God, the Word of God is going to cleanse you. Having been already washed all over, now you come to the church house, you come to the house of God today, and all of these things that you picked up in the last few days, things that you may have done wrong, said, thought, heard, whatever, saw, now God comes, and when the Word of God is preached, you are purified, your feet are washed, so that you can go out and you can walk once again. Now, I don't have time tonight to get into the type, but the ashes of the red heifer is really a, a picture of what I'm talking about, all right? How that a person who is right with God in a covenant relationship with God, when you go through life, you're going to pick up trash, man. You're going to pick up dirt, and you need to be cleansed. That is why it is so important for everybody to make it to the house of God. Because if you've been baptized in water in Jesus' name, and you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no way that you can go through life without picking up something. Some sin, something wrong in your life, some spirit that's going to try to get a hold of you. But when you come to the house of God, and God is in that place, and then you hear God speak. See, God spoke in this passage. When God spoke His Word, He said, you take the unclean garments off of that man and you put clean garments on him because he's a picture of the nation. So when you come to the house of God, when you hear the Word of God preached, God speaks His Word. And He says, remove the uncleanness off of my people. And I'm here, God says, to rebuke the spirit that you have picked up in the last few days so that you can walk out of here tonight victorious over any principality, over any power, over any ruler of darkness and all sin that you may have picked up in the last few days. You will be cleansed from that so you can go out once again and walk in victory. But you must come to the house of God because if you don't, at some point, you will pick up so many demonic spirits and so much filth. Are y'all hearing me right now? 
that you might not make it back into the church house. See, I need God not just Sunday morning and Sunday night, but I need Him. I need Him Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I need Wednesday to come to the house of God and hear God say, Thus saith the Lord, I rebuke you, Satan, and cleanse my people with my word. Purify my people with my word and defeat the powers that resist them in this world. Give God a hand clap of praise. Now, Sunday night when I got up and why would the enemy begin to try to resist what was happening in that service? Because Sunday night was more of a teaching and instructional type of service where we talked about specific things about the woman, how the woman lives, and all these things from Old Testament and New Testament age. We talked about the woman, the way she's supposed to dress. We talked about, are y'all here with me today? We talked about the woman, you know, in the area of makeup and not wearing makeup because you don't need that kind of stuff. You hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. But the enemy doesn't want me to preach like that. Because he wants to come in and he wants to turn all the women in the church to a bunch of Jezebels. So he's going to try to resist that and stop me from preaching that. And the Holy Ghost reminded me as he was speaking to me in the the middle of the night these things. He reminded me about something, about a vision, a dream I had years ago. Okay, And you know I'm pretty level-headed. I'm really level-headed. I not think so. But I am. I'm pretty level-headed. What I mean by that, I don't look for a devil behind every speaker or under every chair. I'm pretty level-headed, right? Amen. Amen. And I don't everything that happens, I don't necessarily see a devil in everything that happens. And you know that as your pastor. You know me pretty well. I'm pretty level-headed. Are you with me here? So I don't I'm not one that is given to a lot of dreams and visions. And I've told you that through the years, okay? It's very rare if I have a dream or a vision that I know comes from God. Now, some of you have a dream every night. You have a vision every night and you want to know what it means and it must have come from God. Well, I, God bless you, but I'm not that kind of a man. Amen? God normally, when He speaks to me, He normally speaks to me from this book. That's how He directs me. He'll speak to me from this book rather than give me a dream or a vision, right? Hallelujah. That means I need to know what's in the book. But every once in a while, when something is really, really important, and this time years and years ago, when we first started the church, God gave me a dream and I knew it was from the Lord. And there was no doubt about it in my mind. And He showed me in that dream that there would be a spirit of Jezebel that would try to come into the church, this church, Bible-centered fellowship. A spirit of Jezebel would try to come into this church. And I saw wonderful uh, sisters in the Lord in this church, Bible-centered fellowship, not somebody else's. But this church, wonderful sisters in the Lord were painted up with makeup. And God spoke to me in that dream. And He said, there is a spirit of Jezebel that is going to try to move into this church and cause the women in the church to begin to put makeup on their face. But I have sent my angel to help you defeat that spirit of Jezebel. 
and I'll never forget it. And, and God, I actually was able to see in that dream the angel, what he looked like. I mean, you know, it, it, golden in hair and, and really tanned in, in, in just the glory of God, you know, wearing white apparel and, and, and very strong, very, if you will, if you can understand the modern terminology, ripped. I mean, strong. Are you here with me right now? How do you hear with me right now? And so God said, I'm sending an angel to help you combat that spirit that's going to try to come in. That spirit of Jezebel that's going to try to put makeup back on the sisters of the Lord God. And I thank God today that they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And that's why I'm telling you, when I stood up and I began to teach and preach that night, so many things were happening, man. God was in the house, but the enemy knew what I was going to say. And it takes courage in this hour to stand up and preach holiness. It takes courage in this hour to stand up and, and maintain a standard when the majority of the church, even good apostolic churches today, are going away from that. I'm going to tell you something. I'll never do it by the grace of God because I've got a conviction. It's not because I believe it because somebody else told me. It's because I have a conviction and it's based on the Word of God. It's not based on apostolic Pentecostal tradition. It's based on the Word of the living God. Hallelujah. And so the Lord reminded me of that dream and why the enemy was coming against us that night resisting us so heavily. Because there's a spirit of Jezebel that wants to turn. Beautiful women of God. <laughs> away from the truth. And I know, you know, that's not everything. It's not the only thing that we preach. I mean, hardly ever do I touch on it because I don't need to. Because you are a message that's, that walks around and you preach it and I don't have to. So if a guest comes in, all they got to do is look at you. So I don't have to constantly stand up and you know, deal with this. But that, this particular time, it's important because it is a season in our church. And it's not just this church. I believe it's in America and other places as well that's being challenged in the area of holiness. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. The good news is this, is that when the enemy tries to stand up and tries to resist, God's Word comes and defeats him. And if we have some things in our life that need to be cleaned up, God's Word comes and cleanses us so we can walk out victorious. I don't believe, listen, I know all of us come short of the glory of God. All of us do. But I don't believe that it's God's will for you to stay down and defeated and discouraged and depressed. I don't believe it's God's will for you to be despondent and, and beat down and pushed down and oppressed. I believe it's God's will for you to be, to be cleansed and be purified and be delivered from the powers of darkness. So we need this. I said we need this word tonight. That they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And God is speaking tonight and He's saying you're clean. Because His word is cleansing you tonight. His word is cleansing you tonight. And if there be any powers of hell, any darkness, any spirits that are trying to come against you you can walk out of here tonight and know by the word of the living God that greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. Give God some praise and worship in this house because there's nobody like him.
But I'm trying to convey to you, brothers and sisters, that the battle that this church is in right now, it is a real battle. It is a spiritual battle. And we have to be able to see it. It's not just physical. It is a spiritual battle. But greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And I've come here tonight to proclaim victory for the church and defeat for the enemy. So I was meditating on these things that God was talking to me. And the Lord reminded me of something. He said, last Wednesday, there was an individual that came in the church. They're not here tonight. Came in the church. She came in, short, real short-haired woman. Came in, sat about in the middle of the church. And, uh, you know, she was responding to the word. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the service, she gets up and she walks out. And the Lord told me, now, you know me. Again, I'm level-headed. I don't talk like this all the time. But the Lord told me that woman had a spirit of witchcraft. That she was bringing a spirit of witchcraft against this church that night. But she could not stay here because the word of the living God went forth. And when the word of God went forth, it was not comfortable. She had to get up in the middle of the service and she had to leave. Because where God is and his word is, the enemy can't stand. And so the Lord began to speak to me. He said, you need to pray against the spirit of witchcraft that has been launched against this church. Now this might sound spooky to religious people, but this is real business. Pray against the spirit of witchcraft. There have been people who have spoken against this church, against the work of the living God. And they have been vessels of the enemy. They have launched a spirit of witchcraft against the church. And so God said, pray this. Pray that the eyes of the people, the scales would fall off of their eyes so that they could see that they're not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Pray that the scales fall off of every one of your eyes and my eyes, that we may see and discern the spirits that might try to come against us in this hour. We need the scales to fall off. And no wonder that Elisha prayed for his servant when the enemy was attacking and coming to capture him. Elisha prayed. For his servant, God opened his eyes so he can see that they that be with us are than they that be with them. I have prayed that the scales would fall off of your eyes so you would not just be able to see the enemy that's tried to come around you, but so that you could see the angels of the Lord that are round about you. So that you would know no matter how intense the battle is against you. That they are more with us than, than they are with him. Let the scales fall off. The Bible says a religious man by the name of Paul. Who was Saul at the time in Acts chapter 9. Thinking he was doing God a service. Persecuting the church of the living God. A man by the name of Ananias went and told him the truth. Paul eventually heard that truth, received that truth, was water baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And what does the Bible say? The scales fell off of his eyes. If Saul has scales on his eyes, you and I can have scales on our eyes. That means we're not seeing things right. 
So God is removing the scales off of our eyes in this hour so we can see, we can see what the enemy's trying to do and we can see the victory that God is sending to us by his heavenly host, angels on a daily basis. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Bible says in Mark chapter 2 Jesus went into a, to the synagogue and the scripture tells us that while he was there there was a man with a withered hand that showed up and the Bible says that God healed him in that service the Lord healed him in that service okay now I'm just going to tell you brother Andrew stepped off of this platform Sunday night he walked a few steps uh, brother Tony was with him and and brother Andrew started feeling weak and he asked Brother Tony to hold him up. Uh, he was sitting back there. I didn't tell you what was going on because I was not going to determine at that time what was happening, okay? Um, so anyway, he's doing all right. He's here tonight. But the Lord spoke to me. And He said to me, okay, listen, again, I'm a level-headed man. You know, sometimes things happen and the first thing people want to say, that's the devil. I don't jump to that conclusion until I hear from God. But the Lord said to me, it was a spiritual attack against a specific young man in this church. But we prayed in the mighty name of Jesus. He couldn't even hardly move back there. His hands were, he tried to extend his hand, close his hand. He couldn't. He didn't have any control over his hands. This is a strong young man. It, I've never seen this happen to him before. He could not open and close his hands. And so we begin to pray for him in the name of Jesus. And before it was all over, he was able to do that once again. He's fine. He's here tonight. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that that was definitely a spiritual attack against not just him, but against the work of the living God. And we need to give God praise for greater is He that's in us than He that's in this world. Let the, eye, let the scales be removed from our eyes to know just how intense the enemy is coming against the church, against your family, against you individually. You need to understand it's not just a physical battle, but there are angels with us on a daily basis that will help you win the victory over the enemy. Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ to tell you that greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. But we have to know what is going on. So I pray that the scales will begin to remove, be removed off of our eyes so we can see that they that be with us are more than they that Hallelujah. be with them. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in the house. You'll notice tonight I'm not focusing, even though I'm talking about angels in a daily, a daily life, I'm not focusing so much on the angels. Because I am the God of the angels. Hallelujah. He is the Lord of hosts. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, please. Thank God for His ministering spirits to help us in times of warfare. But remember, they're not the mediator. Jesus is. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We don't worship angels. Hallelujah. Jesus is not an angel. Right. Amen. He's the Son of the living God. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Please turn there. And I'm thankful today God is faithful. First Timothy 2 and 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Say hallelujah. So God is the mediator. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, you'll remember when Jacob was in a very difficult time in his life. Let's go to Genesis 28.10. In a very difficult time in his life. Running for his life. Let me just start with verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He's about 75 years old at this point. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. This is the one thing that when I had that dream of those angels coming to help me fight that spirit of Jezebel that was going to try to come in our church. The question I had is, does God show you angels in dreams? Does He send angels to you in dreams? Okay, that's the question. If I'm going to be in, I have to prove everything by the Bible. And God reminded me of this passage. That when Jacob went to sleep and he had a dream, that's when he had the vision of the angels and ascending and descending. So God does show you the movements of angels in dreams. Okay? So the Bible tells us as he's asleep, behold, this ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thy liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Are you with me here? Verse 14. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awake out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. Verse 17. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, that means the breaking of the day, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the place Bethel. Now what did Jacob see? He saw the angels of the Lord ascending and descending on this, this ladder, and the Bible says the Lord, 
was at the top of it. John chapter 1 verse 51 interprets it for us and tells us that the ladder is Jesus. That the ladder is the Son of Man. So Jesus, you have to understand, is the mediator. He's not an angel. Angels are His servants that are sent to help us. Okay? Now, so they are ascending and descending on and through Him as He sends them out uh, to uh, promote His work in His kingdom. Now, the Bible says that Jacob arose early in the morning and he placed a pillar there, a memorial before God. What was he telling us? He was doing it at the breaking of the day. God was showing him the changing of the guard. So that whenever, if you will get up in the morning and you will pray, that's when the changing of the guard is taking place at the breaking of the dawn. That's why how so many times God will have you get up at say three, four o'clock in the morning before the daybreak, the the bokar. Because there is a changing of the guard that is taking place. What that means is this. As you pray, the angels that have been working through the night in the earth, they will take those prayers to God, present them to God. And you, you need to understand that I'm speaking symbolically. Your prayer goes straight to God. But what I mean by that, those angels, the keepers, the watchers, uh, the guard, okay, through the night, doing God's work through the night, will go before God's throne. And then when the guard is changing... You see, there's an ascending and a descending of angels. Okay, so we have some going back before the throne of God after they're doing God's work. Okay, and then you have some that are being sent from God to do God's work. So it's the changing of the guard. So when you get up in the morning, if you listen to the Holy Ghost, and most of the time when God speaks to me about prayer, about direction for the church, He gives it to me in the morning. Right before daybreak. And so I'll go to Him and I'll begin to pray and I'll begin to seek Him because I know that there is a changing of the guard that is taking place. So as I pray, then what God does is the angels that He causes to to descend back into the earth to do His work, He says, I have a man that prayed and He will send an angel from the throne. He'll send an angel down to the earth with that prayer request, and that angel will begin to work in the earth on the behalf of the person that prayed that prayer. It is a powerful, powerful thing. That's why if you'll pray before the breaking of the day, Bokar, then God can send angels to begin to work for you throughout the day. If you need a loved one to be saved or somebody's backslid, get up in the morning and ask God to send an angel. Hallelujah. Restore them back to the kingdom of God. God, send an angel. Bring them to the house of God. Bring them to the church again. Whatever your need is, if you need healing in your body, God, I need healing in my body. Whatever, I need financial blessings, God. I need, I need you, God, to help the church. I need you, God, to help my family. And if you'll pray in the morning when the change of the guard is taking place when those angels are coming down from God's throne and they're going to go out into the earth during the day they are going to work on your behalf and you're going to be see powerful things take place because God is mediating the changing of the guard say praise the Lord church amen the power of prayer but Jesus is the mediator go back to 1st Timothy
First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God. How many of y'all believe one God? Amen. Not two, not three. One God. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Okay? Say amen. amen. Who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, this is why it is so important to understand that the angels that ascend and descend, the angels of God, the host of God, He's in control of them. Because if you're not careful, you can get caught up in angel worship. You can get caught up in praying to angels. You can get caught up with God's, I want to see an angel. No. You need to pray to Jesus because the angels of God ascend and descend upon Him. Okay? Through Him. So you pray to God, not to angels. Don't pray to angels. That's idolatry. You pray to God. Now watch. Okay. Why am I telling you this? Okay. In different cultures, there is what is called ancestor veneration. If you go to Taiwan, ancestor veneration. If you go to Zambia, in some measure, maybe not Zambia altogether, but in parts of Africa, there is, there is ancestor veneration. What do I mean by that? They look at their ancestors as mediators. So if an ancestor dies, then they believe that that ancestor, if that ancestor qualifies, and I'm not going to have time to get in and tell you what that is, but if the ancestor qualifies, when they die, they may die here as far as the earth is concerned, but they believe in those cultures that that ancestor goes up and joins the community, what they call the community, okay, of, of ancestors. And so if they have a need on the earth, a person, what they will do is they will go to the native doctor. Or in some cultures it's called the witch doctor. And they will say to the witch doctor or to the native doctor, we need our ancestors to be a mediator for us. So the witch doctor, on behalf of the person that's still alive, will seek the ancestors of that person for their help, for the ancestors to mediate, or uh, to be a mediator for them if they need healing. Okay? Then uh, it's, it's really, it's wild. Okay, so what will happen a lot of times, even in the cultures that I'm talking about, is some people will come to church and they'll worship God and they'll pray. And then during the week, they'll go to the witch doctor. Or the native doctor. Because see, they're still caught up in syncretism, mixture of the old, old religion. So they come and worship God, but then they go to the native doctor and they say, okay, we need healing in our bodies. So will you seek the ancestors to be mediators for us so we can get healing? Or we, we need direction in our life. So they seek the ancestors for direction in their life, instruction in their life. Anything that's happening in their life, all right? If things are not going well for them, they go to the witch doctor and they say, seek the ancestor or the mediator. 
You with me here? Okay, hold on to that. Now the Bible tells us we don't have any need to go to a witch doctor. We don't have any need to go to a native doctor. We don't have a need to go to the Kunandera. We don't have a need to go to any anybody like that. We don't have any any need to go to a witch any kind of witch or anything. No, no mediator, nobody like that. We don't need to do that because the Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Are y'all here with me? So if I were preaching over there in Zambia tonight or in Taiwan, I would tell them that Jesus is your ancestor. He is the one that you go directly to. When you need healing, you don't have to ask for some dead relative in a community of relatives to mediate and get healing for you. You go directly to Jesus Christ for healing because He's your mediator. What is a mediator? It's somebody who mediates between the spirit world and the physical world. There's a spirit world and there's a physical world and the mediator between the physical world and the spirit world is not a witch doctor. The mediator between the physical world and the spiritual world is Jesus Christ. So if you need help, you go to Him. If you need healing, you go to Him. If you need direction, you go to Him. If you need instruction, you go to Him. Hallelujah. If you're, if you're, Family's having problems. You go to Him for help. If you need something to change in your life or get redirected in your life, then you go to Him and you say, Lord, I need you to correct my life. Because ancestor veneration, they would go to the ancestors and say, okay, there's a broken relationship here between us and God. And so ancestor, please fix this broken relationship that we have. Okay, y'all here with me right now? And uh, so give us direction on how to fix our problem. Why is this relationship broken? Correct us. And so they would literally pray to the ancestors for correction and redirection so that the broken relationship would be mended. You don't have to go to an ancestor for that. Because Jesus Christ died for you on the cross to take care of the broken relationship between man and God. He was the mediator. He's the one that took care of that broken relationship that you and I have. So if there is a broken fellowship with you and Jesus today, you don't got to pray to an angel or a witch doctor or a native doctor. You go directly to God and say, Jesus, you died for me on that cross. And because of that, if my fellowship is hindered, if my garments are dirty, if Satan begins to resist me, I'm trusting your blood today to take care of the broken relationship. And we, and are y'all hearing me, me today? So we have to understand, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ is the mediator and the angels of God are descending and ascending upon Him. Everything that you need today is found in Jesus Christ. In a sense, if you can receive it, He is your ancestor. The Bible says He is your brother. And I know He's God. And that gets a little scary for some of you. But the book of Hebrews says He is your brother. That means you are in a relationship not with an angel only, but with the living God. And the living God in Christ Jesus is called your brother. He's my brother. He cares about me. And so those natives... They, they really venerate the ancestors because they believe, well, the ancestor cares about me because they're related to me. Jesus is related to us. 
He's your brother. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through tonight. Hallelujah. He's come to give you victory. He's come to heal you. He's come to fill you. He's come to deliver you. He's come to mend broken relationships. He's come to take care of every need. Hallelujah. And He'll send angels to help you accomplish that in your life. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And sometimes as they would seek the ancestors in those cultures, sometimes they needed correction. They would go and say, okay, to the native doctor, get us, get us some direction. Get us some, what do we need to correct in our life? What do we need to fix? And I'm here to tell you tonight that sometimes, brothers and sisters, there are some things that are not right in our life. And I thank God that He heals us and He delivers us. And He's mended the broken relationship between us and God. But sometimes God will come to you and say, I need to redirect your life. I need to correct you because you're going down the wrong direction. You're going down the wrong path. Be, Be wise, brothers and sisters, and understand that the mediator is a mediator between the spirit world and the physical world. And Jesus Christ is the go-between. He's a man. He relates to us in our humanity, but He's God. In fact, He is the revelation of God to us. He is God come in the flesh. And when we pray to Him, we need to understand sometimes He, he doesn't just heal us and deliver us. Sometimes He says, I've got to redirect what you're doing. I've got to correct what you're doing. Amen. And if you're wise, you'll say, Lord, I understand that's the part, that's the work of a mediator. Don't kick against the pricks. Don't resist the Word of God. But I'm here to tell you today, there is a great warfare that's been launched against the kingdom of God. A great warfare, a spiritual battle that has been been launched against the church. But they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And when the enemy comes to resist, if I could just make it back to the house of God. Yeah, I I may have messed up and I've got some dirt on my feet. But when I get back to the house of God, God says, take the dirty clothes off and put on some new ones. That means tonight when you leave here, if you're wise, you're going to leave your, leave your dirty clothes here. And you're going to walk out in clean clothes instead of every day living in your past, in your failures, and say, Lord, I'm clean by Your Word today. I'm, an, I'm a new creation. I have power and victory over the enemy. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the enemy at all. But do you understand today that you have angels to help you in your daily life? But more importantly, Jesus is your mediator. He's your ancestor. And whatever you need, you can go to Him and He will help you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you stand? Father God, we thank You today for helping us as a church, helping us as a people. In this hour, Father, we, we feel so vulnerable at times from various attacks that come. 
But we thank You, Lord, today for speaking the truth to us, removing the scales off of our eyes that we could see our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. That You are our mediator today, Lord. We can bring our petition, our prayer to You and You will help us. I pray for those tonight, Lord, that need to be healed. Lord, release healing upon them. Those that need to be delivered, deliver them. Those tonight that have a broken fellowship, let them look to You to be the mediator to bring God and their life together. Those that need instruction or direction tonight in their life. A redirection. A redirection. Speak, Lord, and let them know there's one God and one mediator between God and man. And that's the man, Christ Jesus. Would you lift your hands and just love Him and just thank Him? Hallelujah. 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 We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. One, are you going to be baptized tonight? One, okay. Brother, if you'll get him ready. We're going to baptize one Lopez tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there is there anybody else here tonight? I know some of you went through that class on Sunday evening. And you want to be water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you do, you can do that tonight with one. Anybody else here today? If you do, just lift your hand. Nobody else? Okay, we always want to give everybody the opportunity. Hallelujah. I thank God for one. You can just be seated. You can.